Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Hey, how good is our God? We are continuing our series. This is the final part. Though we could talk for more weeks uh, on this topic of joy, this is our final part on joy. And, you know, we've had a... A, 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 I think a phenomenal time just exploring scripture and the promises and the covenant God has given us, the strategies and the exchanges for successful living here on this side of eternity. And so much of that's tied into joy and understanding joy and living in the inheritance of joy given to us, paid for, ransomed for us by Jesus. And in that, we get to begin to live and, and do life not constantly feeling bombarded and heavy laden and, and of a, a, a sad spirit. But even though we go through seasons like that, we know that joy in Christ is inevitable. We know that we have an exchange to make. We know that we are in control through what God has given us. And so last week we talked about a few you know, merciful exchanges in which we have been given from God. We talked that he would take our ashes and exchange them for beauty. And we, we discussed the idea that, you know, a lot of us fully don't comprehend how big a deal it is to be found, like our character to be found beautiful in the sight of God. And that this is something that has been made accessible through Christ. And then we talked about the oil of joy for mourning, where this exchange requires us not only to understand that we have been made beautiful in the sight of God through Christ, but also that in that we begin to come to the revelation of the depth of value that brings to our life. And in that we begin to feel a joy, a joy that can't be robbed from us if we remain focused on what has been given to us through Jesus. And then finally, we talked about the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I love this part because that's when we started to talk about the fact that the garment of praise is the final exchange and it allows us to wear our heavenly clothes here on earth. It allows us to wear our home jersey while playing an away game. It allows us to understand no matter what happens in this world, our source of joy, our source of contentment and satisfaction comes from Christ outside of the things of this world. And furthermore, once we put on that garment of praise, that last bit of clothing, our royal robe of praise, we become this invincible disciple, ambassador, follower, believer in Jesus that no, we don't, it's not that we don't feel the things of this world, we're just not ruled by them. And that we're ruled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He's given us so much. And so, you know, we're going to talk about joy this week. Next week, we're going to move on to a series for two weeks called Ready Player One. And we're going to talk about the, the concept of what God has given you here that you can choose to put on different things and create your own, you know, avatar to do, uh, do, to do battle for God in here and what he's given you, those gifts, and that's going to be fun. But let's finish joy off strong. Now, we talked about certain things over the last three weeks about joy, and, and it's one of those topics, and I know it's one of those topics that when we talk about it, it almost feels real and it feels apparent, it feels applicable, but then you never seem to be given the actual, like, tangible, step-by-step -step method of doing what the Bible says we need to do. So when we say things like, he's given you beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, come on! And we're all, like, pumped about that, and we should be. We should really be pumped about it because there's some phenomenal promises there. But then we go home and we sit down and in the moment where we're not sure what to do, we turn on Netflix or we turn on Disney. We watch The Mandalorian. 
right? And it gives us maybe 45 minutes of escape moments, right? But then we're still stuck. And then we're like, what am I meant to do? Like, I know these promises. And simply claiming them for like verbatim is, is, is not the way you inherit them. It's the way to keep them on the forefront of your mind. But there's a next step. You've got to seek. You've got to ask. You've got to knock. You've got to begin to pursue it because it's a discipline. It's not something that you just go, it's, it's just, you're not going into Walmart and just taking joy off the shelf and cracking it open. And like, like you've got to actually figure it out and how God is speaking to you. And so today, hey, I know I love to preach and I love to get like absolutely amped on things. Uh, but we're going to take a little bit of a different turn today, and I'm actually going to give you a very systematic way, practical ways, that you need to apply in your life. So if you've got your Bible with you, make sure you're turning to these scriptures. If you've got a notepad and pen, you should take down notes. Honestly, you need to apply. This is how we get it done. I love that saying, just get it done. Get it done. And like, it's one of my favorite sayings because it doesn't leave room for failure. It's just like, just get it done. I love that in God. We can just get it done. Turn to the person next to you. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe type it in the chat right now. Get it done. Like, call someone out. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Emma's like, Ben, the dishes. Get it done. You got to ask yourself, if joy and praise and adoration and thanksgiving, all these things are for believers... Like, is it merely just a heart posture? Is that all we're doing? It's in our heart, we know. Or is there actual things that we can apply? Like, the oil of joy is an application. Like, what do you do with oil? You've got to do something with it. You burn it. You apply it. It can be an ointment, a balm. It can be a sign of anointing. There's lots of things, but there's always an application. You've got to put on the garment of praise. Like, you've got to put on. Like, you've got to give your ashes and then pick up your beauty. Like, there's, there's actions here. It's not just a, an understanding in the heart. It's got to begin to permeate your actions. You know, we talk about how the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, right? And that the, 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 the treasures you have here on earth are found in your heart. And so we talk about the heart condition. So out of the heart, the abundance of your heart, whatever your heart is looking at, focusing on, you begin to speak that way. And when you speak things, you begin to give those things power. And when you give those things power, they shift attitudes in your life. And when your attitude shifts, all of a sudden, attitude reflects action. And that's why when you watch Remember the Titans and there's that big argument, you know, the, the, the two leaders are going head to head and he's like, why don't you just do this? And why do you always say this? And, what? and his response is, and it's, a, it's a, a powerful one, he says, well, attitude reflects leadership. Yeah. I remember as a kid watching that and just being like, oh, man, if I'm called in Christ to follow him and at the very least lead myself to follow him, then my attitude reflects my core person, which would reflect my actions, my leadership in my life. And so we're going to look, what can we do in our actions? How can we take what is a heart posture and begin to change our attitudes, which would begin to determine what we do in the physical realms? If you want to turn with me to Psalms 100, verse 1 to 5. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, Shout, For joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who has made us and and we are his. 
We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Oh, come on, this morning. God, I pray that this word that written from your psalmist thousands of years ago would just permeate our soul right now, Lord, that our spirit would be changed by what these words echo, Lord, and they echo through time, they echo through us. We ask you to give you glory right now, Lord. All right, praise. I'm going to talk about two different things right now, and then we're going to focus in on one. So praise is simply put like this. Praising God is the activity of God's creatures, his creation, in honoring God because of the acts and nature of God. That's praise. Thanksgiving, gratitude, is an expression of gratitude to God for his care and concern, especially as shown through his redemptive acts. So one is is based around the fact that that God himself has this all-powerful nature. The other one is based on God having an all-powerful character. Right? And we're going we're gonna to focus in on thanksgiving, um, and we're going to go through just systematically what this scripture verse, this Psalms, enables us to do, and how we're meant to do it. And we've got to do it well. Like, you, you, can't just, you can't fumble through life. You know what? You've been called to a team. You've been given a position. You've got to do it well. You've got to honor what God's given you, and you've got to honor what God's given others, and you've got to, you've got to, got to, got to honor God's time. That's what we got to do. we got to get it done. Things are at stake. Eternity's at stake. People don't know Jesus. we got to get it done. We don't have, you know what? Your call in Christ is not so that you would find yourself and be content in yourself alone. It would be that you'd have a lens that would take you from looking inward to looking out when all of a sudden there's an urgency to get it done. Got to leave it all on the field. There is no reserve tank. We've got to spend every bit of energy, every bit of fuel to make sure that the goodness of God radiates not just in our life, but in our homes, in our neighborhood, in our communities, in our cities, in our nation of Canada, and that we would make a difference, that the people of the world would look to North Van and go, wow, those mountains pale into insignificance into the light of what God has done. Come on, right? That's exciting. I'm only meant to be teaching, but I just go straight there. Just get excited. So let's talk about Thanksgiving. I'm going to break this down verse by verse. And we're going to talk about what the psalmist has written here. He says this in verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. This is what we would consider as thanks praising. Thanks praising. See, it's, it's that first part. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a joyful noise. That's praise unto God. Do not make excuses or complaints. It's not, that's not what it's saying. It's funny, hey? When we come before God, we so easily can make an excuse or a complaint. But it doesn't say that initially. The first thing he says is shout for joy to the Lord. Make a joyful noise of praise and thanks. Adoration is a powerful thing. I think we've lost the art of adoration a little bit here in this modern era. We sort of take it for granted. But what we see here is that the psalmist is saying when you become fully aware of who you're talking to, how you get access to him, the relationship you have with God, you should start with a shout of joy. This is what I love about being Pentecostals. Spirit-filled, right? 
We all know about a, 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 you know, a joyful noise. Man, I grew up, I was born and bred spiritful Pentecostal. There wasn't a Sunday service when I was a young that we didn't sing a song about joy and shouting. We all know the banger, shout to the Lord. That has the highest hands-to-roof ratio in all of Pentecostal churches. You sing that song, doesn't matter if you were born yesterday or if you were born 50, 60 years ago or maybe on the verge of eternity. Everyone knows that song. Push your hand up, shout to the Lord. Why? Because there's something in us that understands when we present ourselves before God, that comes with a shout of praise. It comes with excitement. It comes with that understanding that we're before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because we're worshiping the person of God. It says, unto the Lord. Why do we praise God? Why do we praise the Lord? Why do we give Jesus all the glory? Why? Why do we make a joyful noise unto the Lord? It's a really simple answer, but we forget it because he saved us. We were lost. He found us. We were blind and he gave us vision. We were captured and he broke the chains. Think about that. He saved us. And if he could do it on that level, he can do it at any level. That's why we shout. We shout because, you know, you think about uh, the concept of the Gospels and the word evangel. The Gospels mean good news. The good news. Make known the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of redemption. You've got to make it known in your living, and, you, and, and we know it, so we give a shout of praise. But the Bible says that we're called to be evangels. We are to be the herald of that good news. And that terminology comes from a Greek word. And in that Greek word of evangel, it was applied to the men that were told to run. When a battle was fought and won, these men were sent to all of the Greek city-states and were told, hey, we have fought, the war has been won, your freedom has been secure, tell everyone you know. That's what the evangel would do. And so when we're told to be evangels, we are to go to the four corners of our calling and we're to make known with a shout of praise that we have been saved, that the battle has been fought, the war has been won. Jesus is King of Kings. He's overcome the grave. He's Lord of Lords, and you have freedom in him. And if that doesn't make you want to shout out in joy, I'm not sure what would. And we see in Psalms 103 verse 3, it says, He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. This is the psalmist. He doesn't even have the New Testament yet. And he's talking about the goodness of God that he's experienced in relationship through the nature and character of God, through his creation that he gave to us to be amazed by, to be found in wonder, to be directed towards his goodness and glory. This is what the psalmist says. And then he says, places all the earth. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like um, we're going to talk about east of Lonsdale. Right? Or actually, he doesn't really want us to do much beyond the 49th parallel. There's too much trouble down there. Uh, we've got to, he doesn't say that. He just goes, all the earth. I love that. Don't you love those people when like, you're making plans and like, who can come and who can't come? And there's that one person. Like, we all love that one person who's in charge. And they, they just come in and everyone's trying to figure out what the plans are. Who was this with that? And they're just like, you know what? You all can come. You're all in. Come on, let's go. Well, that person that comes and goes, you know what? I'm going to pay for everyone's meal. Oh, you love that, right? When there's a big crowd and you're ordering, right? And, you're, and you order like, you're like, hmm, my budget. 
I got 20 bucks in the bank. And do you know what I hate about here in Canada is that you've got to do your own math when it comes to tax and tips. I'm just like, I don't mind. I'd even pay more if you would do the work for me. Like, we got computers that can do it. You don't have to, you can just make it happen. But they don't. So if you've got a budget and you sit down, you're like, okay, the chicken wings are $13. Mmm, that's plus tax, plus tip. Mm. And then you, what are you, what's the first thing you think? Yeah, I'm going to tip them less. <laughs> yeah, I know all you. I know what you're doing. At home, you do the same thing. Make budget, you rob someone. I'm going for the 10%. Even if they're wonderful, you got 10%. Sorry, it's not you, it's the budget. But what I love is imagine, you know, and you order, right? Imagine if you did that and you order. How robbed do you feel when you do that and then someone comes along and pays for your meal? Because you could have ordered more, right? But you were stingy based on your budget, and I get it. But what we love more is when we go into the meal and before you've ordered, dad stands up and goes, I'm paying for everything. Take whatever you want. Order whatever you want. Sky's the limit. Have anything on the menu. It's yours, right? And you just go, boom, boom, boom. You're excited. And then in that, you're like, actually, I should steward this well. I should, you know. And all of a sudden, you're a better Christian because dad's paying for it all. Can I tell you right now this morning, when he says all the earth, go into all the earth, he's paid for it all. He's paid for your calling. He's paid for your purpose. He's designed it. He said that the bill has been paid. All you've got to do is go. You've got to order what you want to order. You've got to put on your plate what's going to be good for you. You can steward it well, but you've got to go all to every corner of the earth. You've got to make it known. Shout a praise, right? And all of a sudden, if you're looking at dad that way, of course you're going to be joyful. Of course you're going to give praise. Of course you're going to tell everyone, hey, you down the back. You don't have to pay. Dad's got it. How good is that? I've ordered everything. It's so good right now, God. Man, you're not even invited, but come on in, because Dad says everyone's getting paid for right now. You're not hungry? That's on you. Thanks praising. Verse 1. We could just stay there all today, right? How good is that? I love that in Psalms 150. Psalms is the only book that really hits up to those cricket scores. 150 verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love that. He says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Full stop. Let's say it again. Praise the Lord. There's something in that. Let everything that has breath. Man, everything has breath. Everything that alive breathes something. And he's saying, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That creation, the trees breathe. Little micro things that give us diseases breathe. Everything breathes. And, I'm, and I'm, I know some of you thought I said breed. But everything breathes as well. <laughs> Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. All right, verse 2. It says this, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Verse 2 is all about thanks serving. Right? So we had thanks praising. Now we have thanks serving. Worship the Lord with gladness. Ever read the Bible and just remove the word and change it for something else? Worship the Lord with sadness. Come before him with a mournful song. I don't want that. So why does the psalmist make it evident? Why does he take the time to talk about it? Because he's actually talking about worship in a serving sense. There's, a, there's an intent there. You've got to be intentional with your decision. 
See, God knows we're not going to be found in every season filled with gladness and excitement and youthful joy. He knows that. But the psalmist is saying when you worship him, choose to see who God is and be found in gladness. Come before him with songs of joy. Do you know how you do that? You sing about him, not about yourself. You sing about yourself, of course you're going to be sad. We're a bunch of sad sacks. Turn to the person on the chat. I love that we've got a chat. Be like, I don't want to be a sad sack. Just make that, just declare, I'm not a sad sack. I'm a joyful song. Everything I say about God is joyful. There's an intentionality around what the psalmist is saying here. He's not making just a really ignorant statement. He's actually showing how ignorant we can be if we're not intentional with choosing our dispositions towards God. So the first thing we see is says, serve God with the Lord with gladness. Serving the Lord. It says worship. Worship is our serving towards God, towards the Lord, with gladness. So I have to serve the Lord. We have to be serving him. The Bible speaks of joy through what? We said this uh, two weeks ago. To know God is to know joy, and to know joy is to know salvation. We speak, the Bible speaks of joy through salvation. In Psalms 51.12, we see, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then we talk about our joy being made full. It says, 1 John 1-4, we write this to make our joy complete. He's talking about the message of Christ, what has happened to us. And he's writing and he says, in making this unknown, acknowledging this, and we should all write it down, we should all make it known to ourselves, we make our joy complete. There's an intention there. Singing to the Lord. It says, come before his presence with singing. The Bible speaks of spiritual songs. We sing. We love to sing here. I don't really need to speak about this much because we're a church that loves to worship, to praise in song. But in Ephesians 5.19, Paul writes this, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Do you know why we sing? Do you know why people get excited in Avant Life? Do you know why the worship team just gets stoked about being able to lead us in that? It's because when we sing, we're making known, one, that we are filled with joy. Why? Because we've been made free. That's why we do it. And all of a sudden, we're back to the start. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Why? Because we are happy. We've been, we've been made free. That's not a trivial, small statement. That's a powerful statement. Nothing can take my freedom away. See, I can be bound in earthly chains. I can be beaten. I can be robbed. I can be marginalized. I can be bullied. I can be harassed. I can be discriminated against. But I am free and my joy is free of those chains. And whatever you want to do to my earthly body can't persuade my spirit to succumb to whatever disease you have, whatever control you want, whatever power you think you might wield right now is still subservient. And under the name of Jesus, I am free. That's why the slaves on the slave ships from Africa to the US, when they encountered Jesus, and they did, you think about that, they encounter God through their oppressor. Their oppressors giving them fake Jesus, and they get real Jesus. Only our God can do that. 
And in that, they begin to sing songs of happiness, of freedom, even though they are going through hell, something you and I will never understand, never comprehend, never imagine, not just physical, but emotional. They've been ripped from their families. They've been beaten. Half of them won't make the trip across the Atlantic, yet they find time to find real Jesus in a fake Jesus scenario, and they begin to sing of a freedom. What freedom? A spiritual freedom that no chain, no whip, no slave master can rob from them. That is our freedom. And we're to sing about it. We're not meant to be frozen chosen. I'm sick of that whole, you know what? It's all what's happening on the inside. No way. No way. When you win a war, when the battle is fought and the winning army rises up, they're not all just standing there like, did that that happen? Did, Did we win? No. They've got their banner of victory. They fly their flag upon, what, upon the highest place to say what, that was, what was there has been conquered. It's been fought. It's been won. It's now ours. The banner of Christ flies over your life. You're free. You've got to make a noise. You've got to move. You've got to shout. You've got to dance. You've got to let people know that you're alive and that nothing can rob that from you. Verse 3. It says this, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made, who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There, that word sheep again. The last like three weeks, it's just the sheep just sneaks in there. It's like the sneakiest animal. Now I think about it. Verse three talks about thanks depending. And, it's, and I know it sounds weird, but like thanks depending. We have a real dependence in Christ. Like, not an independence, a dependence, a thankful dependence. I'm thankful I have Jesus and that I'm not independent from him, that I'm dependent on his goodness. I'm dependent on his love. I'm dependent on his provision. I'm dependent on his guidance. I'm dependent on his healing. I'm dependent on what he can transform in me. I'm not independent from that. I let my free will of independence go when I accepted him as my Lord and Saviour and I decide every day to relinquish that to him. We see here that it says, know that the Lord is God. The person of God is what the psalmist is talking about. And he's saying because he is God, he will not change. He is dependable. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is unchanging. And you can build your life upon it, upon that rock of revelation. He will not lie. In Titus 1, 2, it says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Your eternity with him was promised to you before the beginning of time. And when we freely gave it away, he still upheld his side of the promise and he came for us. He paid the price for the debt that we created to uphold the promise of eternal life with him if we so wanted it. We can depend on God. It says this, that it is he that has made us. This is the plan of God. It is he that has made us. We didn't make ourselves. And thank the Lord for that. We didn't make ourselves. Man was made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We didn't just come along into being. 
We didn't just wake up and create ourselves one day. God created us. God created Adam and Eve. He created us. Man was made for fellowship with God. We were made for fellowship. At the beginning of time, relationship was the goal. It was the centerpiece. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Man was created with a soul, which makes fellowship with God possible. Isn't that beautiful? You can depend on that. That's why we have thanks depending. I love here where it says, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It acknowledges that we are the people of God. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he gives life to us, his sheep. And he's done this through giving his life for us, his sheep. John ten eleven says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So we've got thanks praising. We've got thanks serving. Now we have a thankfulness that we have a God that we can depend on. Takes us to verse 4. We love this one. We know this one. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. This just reminds me of the old songs that I used to grow up with as a child. When I'm falling asleep under the pews at church, I always remember these songs. The... It's, how's that song go? Mark, you're, no, you're too young. You know. You should know it. We put the 30-year-old cream on this morning together. So, What is it? The enter his gates with thanksgiving... I will enter giving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I love that song. The scripture in, in song. Oh, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful concept because it talks about three main things. One, respecting God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. When you come before the king and you're going into his palace and the gates begin to open, how do you walk through? Are you like, boom? Yeah, I'm back. That's me. Well done, good and faithful. Oh, didn't hear that. A bit concerning. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. No, we don't do that. When you're before the king of kings and the lord of lords, you're thankful. God, thank you for letting me. When you go to a friend's house, thanks for having me over. When you go see the king of kings, the creator of heaven and earth, you're not going to be blasé. You're going to bring a gift. What's your gift? Praise. Your gift is thanksgiving. You're going to make that known from the depths of your heart. That's how we respect God. Praising God for our blessings will increase them. Failing to do so will diminish them. And you're like, is that true? Well, we're not going to go into that in depth today, but it is true. The more you praise God for the blessings he's given you, the more he will bless you. The more you, you forget to give him praise, the more your, your blessings will diminish. Wow. 
You look at Job. His blessings were based in something. You know, we look at the story in the book of Luke about the ten lepers that were healed. Only one returns to give glory to God. Only one. Jesus even says, wasn't there, wasn't there ten of you? Like, why is only one returned? And the one that did return was not even a Jew. It was a Samaritan. How interesting is that? Do you know what that tells me? Is that as Christians, we can come complacent to what God is doing in our life. Because we know Scripture. We grew up under Scripture. We understand it. We understand it so much that when He actually moves in our life, we miss it. We take it for granted. But somebody who's not grown up in the kingdom, who in their adulthood comes to Jesus, they're the ones returning They're the ones that didn't grow up under Scripture. God does something in their life and in their respect for it, they return. We've always got to remain in our first love for Jesus. We've always got to remain focusing and respecting who He is. I struggle. I'm going to be honest with you, church. I struggle when we sort of we make Jesus like just our homie. Jesus is not my homie. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. There is a reverence there. He's my brother and friend. But he's not my homie. He's not my like, woo, we just have fun, high five, patty cake. There is a respect and he deserves it when he moves in your life. You've got to acknowledge it. You've got to go through his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. And the Bible says we've got to rejoice in God into his courts with praise. You can thank and praise at the same time. You can acknowledge the character and the all-powerful character of God while acknowledging the all-powerful nature of God. You can do this, the same things at the same time. You can, you can dual wield those lightsabers. And we all love that scene, right? When we realize you can have two swords instead of one. If you've seen Star Wars, you would have seen it, right? When Obi-Wan Kenobi gets, he gets boogied somewhere. I can't remember. He's fighting Count Dooku. He gets like trapped under something. And, and, and Anakin, before he turns evil, picks up two swords. And I remember as a teenager thinking, oh, here we go. Who thought that you could have two? But this is exactly what the psalmist is saying. You can praise and you can be thankful at the same time. You can be gratitude, you know, you can show gratitude and praise at the same time. You can enter his courts with praise. It says that we give thanks to him and praise his name. This is recognizing God. Recognizing him as God recognizing him as superior, recognizing him that his name is above every other name, recognizing his sovereignty and his authority and his reign in our life. Enter his his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. You know what? In this modern era, we're up to verse four. There's one to come. We really should be doing this every day. We should be getting up and we should be making a joyful noise to God. We should be you know, claiming the goodness all over this earth. We shouldn't be you know, compartmentalizing it to different parts of our life. We should allow it to overwhelm us and in that make a joyful noise. We should be faithful in our serving. We should be making sure we're intentional in choosing to consider and count every joy, every blessing He's given us to take the disposition of gladness and the disposition of joy over sadness and mourning. We've been made full. We've been made free. Our liberty has been fought. And then we think about that. We're now so dependent on that freedom in a good sense. 
Because our freedom is nothing but filthy rags. Our righteousness is, is falling short every time. But His freedom, His imputed righteousness, that is glorified, that is perfected in Christ. And we have access to it. And of course, I want to be dependent on it. And all of that in mind in the morning, if I'm acknowledging that, how do I not begin to enter those moments of, of intimacy with Him in thanksgiving and in praise and acknowledging His name? Jesus, Your name is the name above every other name. I want to make Your name known in my life, through my life, and for your goodness, your message to this earth, you created your people. And then we get to this last thing. It says, for the Lord, verse five, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. For the Lord is good. This is the character of God. All things that come from my God, all things that come from your God, all things that come through that relationship we have with Him are good. There's nothing evil. They're helpful. There's nothing destructive. Our God is good. His character is good. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. We know that in all things, all things God works for the good of those who love Him. My God's good. Your God's good. You've got to wake up and you've got to declare that. My God is good. He's good to me all the time. He's faithful to me. And even though I trip and even though I stumble and even though I fall and I'm unfaithful and I'm rebellious and even though I have a sinful heart at times, my God is good to me. He's merciful to me. He picks me up. He dusts me off. He creates in me a clean heart and He purifies my spirit and He clothes me in His robes of goodness and praise. He says His mercy is everlasting. Oh man, this is the compassion of my God. God wants all men to repent. He wants each and every one of us, but He wants each and every person that lives on this earth to repent. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness. <laughs> Instead, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's not slow. He's patient. I love that. My God's not slow. He's patient. My God's not a few cents short of a dollar. He's not a few, a few, a few tools short of a, a toolbox. My God is not slow. He's just patient. He's patient with us. We take His patience and we claim that He's slow. We claim that He's taking too long. But the Bible tells us His patience is so that we have time so that we can get it right, so that we can come before Him. He's patient with us. We're the ones that've got the, the, the skewed understanding of slowness. I love this last point. It says, and His truth endures to all generations. Think about that. Oh, man. His faithfulness continues through all generations. His faithfulness, His truth endures. God's Word is everlasting. Hey, what does that tell you? When you claim something, when you declare something, would you not want to declare it knowing that it carries the everlasting power of heaven, the authority of Christ? I would want that. But for me to declare it, I've got to know it. For me to know it, I've got to study and be devoted to it. And in that, the Bible tells us that truth will set you free. Not like, hey, 
Jesus loves you, though that can give you an aspect of truth, it's talking about studying the faithfulness of God in Scripture. And as you do that day in, day out, all of a sudden the depth of truth as you plunge into the character and into the nature of our God begins to endure and it endures to all generations. Can I tell you right now that even if we are to fail in our mission, the Word of God will never fail. Even if we are to turn our backs on the things of God, it would never turn its backs on us because it's everlasting. It's a promise that's not dependent on our response. It's a promise that's dependent on the one who called it out in us. And His name is Jesus. And this morning, right now, I need you to know when we talk about joy, We're talking about adoration. We're talking about gratitude. We're talking about praise. We're talking about coming together and going, you know what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. His joy in me is my strength. I get up in the morning and I give Him praise. I get up in the morning and I acknowledge it's my my beautiful job and duty and call to follow and serve Him. I get up in the morning and I acknowledge that my life is dependent on His goodness, not on my strength. I get up in the morning and I give Him praise and I give Him the gratitude He deserves. I make sure that when I have time with Him in my devotion, before I go there and begin to make my needs known, I proceed it with praise. I proceed it with acknowledging His character, His nature. And you've got to do this. God, you're good. God, you're beautiful. God, you're faithful. Lord, I magnify Your name. I lift Your name above every other. Lord, I glorify You, Lord. God, I say right now, You are my lens. You are my life. You are my light. You cast a shadow on everything else. Your presence makes things of this earth grow strangely dim. And I'm here right now to engage with You, God. Are You present? That's how you start your morning. Now, you don't have to be that worked up, but you know what I mean. Because you know what? In those moments when you begin to garment yourself in praise, when you begin to anoint yourself with, with joy, when you begin to look into the beauty that God has made you in, all of a sudden when you begin to go through this process day in, day out, the truth becomes even deeper. Your foundations run even deeper. The heights in which you grow and are built go even higher. Your influence begins to grow because you're no longer an insecure person, but you're now secure in your calling. And then when you're the ambassador of Jesus, in your workplace, when you're the ambassador of Jesus in your school, when you're the ambassador of Jesus in your sporting club, or maybe the library if they still exist, when you're in there and when you're doing that, all of a sudden you are the river of joy that overflows in that place. You are not shaken, but you are the one that shakes the world. You're the one that begins to tremble those gates of hell as you make your stand in joy, as you make your stand in praise, as you make your stand in thanksgiving, because you got up that morning and you did something that you probably have haven't done before and you acknowledged how to put on the garment you went out into the world and you said you know what just as is written Matthew 5 18 Jesus says this truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter not the least stroke of a pen will be any means disappeared from the law until everything is accomplished do you know what this tells me Mark do you know what this tells me Oh, this tells me that every word, every promise, every little bit of ink that has ever written the Word of God straight direct from the Holy Spirit, well, we will not see the end of heaven and earth. We will not see the accomplishments take place until everything He has said has been done down to every single letter. That applies to your life. You're not going to enter into eternity until you've accomplished every word and letter, every bit of heavenly ink that was written over your life. You have a calling. You have a purpose. But to inherit 
inherit it. You need to understand that our God is a good God and His love endures forever and He's faithful and He's been faithful from the beginning of time. Through all endurances, He's been present and our generation is blessed because of it and the generations to come. Church, would you stand with me in your living room right now? Because we're going to go and we're going to make known His good graces in our life. And as we sing this, do you know what I love? When we ran an intern program in Australia, you know, all, a lot of the interns came with us. In our city of Canberra, the city's built amongst singular mountains. And we sent an intern to the top of each mountain one morning. And at the exact same time, we stood and we prayed and we praised and we worshipped over our city. And we did that by choice. But do you know what I love about this season? God has scattered us each to our own home. And right now, as we stand together and we sing this song, as we unify our praise and thanksgiving, let's believe wherever we are, He's now spread us out like a net. He's thrown us out and He's beginning to allow the men and women of our life that surround us, the children that surround us, to begin to be caught up in the net of God's goodness, the net of God's calling. And in your joy and in your praise, your gratitude and adoration, let's begin to overcome in the spiritual realms what we want to see defeated in the physical. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.